I think like getting those moments, like registering, I guess, when somebody ha has that like, click moment where they get it and they, they, they give a shit. Even if they are 11 years old, you know, like that was the moment where I was like, you care, you really care. And I will always remember that about, and just little moments like that about teaching. I used to do stuff where I saw the work I was doing having a positive impact on people's lives and like affecting good and I was like now I like make a product that some people might misuse to mistreat themselves and stuff you know and yeah. it's like I have had moments where I'm like am I still creating good welcome to the craft beer travel and adventure podcast with living a stout life this is where we sit down with creative thinkers on the road adventurers and craft beer lovers your hosts, Ken and April, live, work, and travel in a 24-foot RV in search of inspiring stories around a great beer. Hey, it's April here. I'm on my own. Not sure if I can do this. But anyhow, we're sitting in the middle of nowhere just outside of Durango. Um, we just left Salida and a lot of mountain biking there, and then also doing a lot of mountain biking in Durango. Staying here for probably about another week. Um, it's been awesome. Maybe a little too awesome because we've had a few late nights and Kenny's actually still sleeping. Um, that's why it's just me. But anyhow, it's been awesome. There's so many trails to ride around here and I can't get over it. You'll have to, we'll have to tell you more about that later because we're in the midst of riding them. Um, at any rate, being here has reminded me of being in Steamboat Springs uh, last year, last summer. But we were at Steamboat Springs and riding some trails there right outside of town. Uh, all these places that we could live, let me tell you. But then we came across, well, we met Elena, and I met her when she was 14, and she is now the assistant brewer at Storm Peak Brewing Company, and her life is truly intriguing and truly inspiring. Um, I'll let her tell you all about it, but she, um, let's see, when I was teaching for an outdoor education company called Cottonwood Institute, she was a student. And I was just starting out my career as an outdoor educator. So she, at 14, uh, really inspired me because she was this teenager who, like, just had this gung-ho attitude and loved the outdoors and loved the environment. So this is Elena. Um, she'll be definitely much more entertaining than me without Kenny. So next time we'll just have to wake up Kenny because this is, I don't know kind of weird but oh yeah and I also forgot to tell you when we were talking to Elena it's actually just me again boy you're just special you guys are honored today you get to hang out with me the whole time um so I was interviewing her and we were also sitting outside um of the brewery on the patio and there were other people there it was actually open so there is some background noise because we're hanging out on a patio drinking beer at Storm Peak Brewing Company so hopefully it feels like you're right there with us so grab a beer Hang out, and here's Elena. Okay, all right, cheers. Cheers. <laughs> this is Elena, and you are assistant brewer of Romeo. Storm Beak Brewery in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. Oh my gosh, it's so pretty. <laughs> it's yeah, really hot though right now. This is some beer, and actually I really kind of don't want to talk about the beer, I want to talk about awesome. Cool. <laughs> um, that makes it easy. So we met, how old were you when we met? I'm going to put you really in you were really 14. Were you 14? I think. I we met when I first started high school. That's how old you are when you started. I guess that is, yeah. <laughs> so it was 10 years ago. Yeah. 
10 years ago. So 10 years ago, and one of the reasons I really wanted to talk to you again was just because you inspired me as a teenager. Um, and then now you're actually in the brewing industry, so it was like a perfect fit for living in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. um, kind of maybe tell our audience or how we kind of met and like what programs you were in. Um, well, yeah, so I was 14 years old, um, which I think is a complicated time for any human um, to be alive. <laughs> and I went to an alternative high school in Boulder, New Vista High School, um, and the Cottonwood Institute, uh, the nonprofit that we both worked at, based out of Denver, ran a kind of pilot program at the time. The CAP class was actually the first program that Cottonwood had. Um, so that was the community adventure program, uh, which was a whole quarter long, not semester, but quarter long course that students could take, uh, focusing on sustainability and environmental stewardship with an emphasis on getting students out in the wilderness and doing service projects um, as well as just a chance to get outside and to make those connections of, of why essentially sustainability and environmental stewardship is something to care about. Um, so you took the class? I took the class when I was a freshman in high school. Were you excited to take it or was it just kind of something that you're like, oh, this is a oh, new super excited to take yeah, it. See? Yeah, I was super excited to take it. I took it in the winter. So we went snow camping and built Quincy's and everything like that. And after I took the class, I went on every single cat overnight trip for the rest of my time in at New Vista. Um, I basically just volunteered my time on those weekends to help help with the class and help in any way that I could and, and that's when Ford hired me on kind of part-time in the summer as like a leader intern by the time I was 15 or 16 and then after that I was a full-time instructor in the summer. So when you were first starting out as a freshman and you yeah. started taking the class uh, with Patton Institute, it was one of the first times I had actually started working with Patton Institute. Right. And one of the first times I had actually started like thinking that I might want to be a teacher or an outdoor educator because I had never really done that before. Always had a um, great time working in the outdoors that we never thought about like teaching. Yeah. So when I was watching you as this young teenager knowing what she wanted to do when I still didn't really know what I wanted to do when I grew up, yeah. it was just kind of inspiring like watching your confidence. And I don't know if you realized that you had that confidence, but yeah, you did. And so I've followed you since then. That's why I love social media. Like, right. if you can talk to people that exactly. wouldn't yeah. be doing that. So, yeah. I know, like, we led one of our first courses together. That was mm -hmm. a really tough course. That was a really tough course. Down um, Mission Wall. Yep. Mm -hmm. But it was a lot of fun. Um, I hope you learned a little bit from me. I learned something from you every time I see you. I, yeah. Um, so, cheers to that. Like, seriously. Cheers. I, I want to make sure that you understand, like, how, um, how much voice young people have and how much of an impact you had at that time, too. Because I think that's one of the huge issues with the world today is young people don't think they have a voice. And you can start having a voice whenever you can speak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that was one thing that really inspired me and how I kept track with you. Yeah. Well, I know I said it the other day, but I appreciate that a lot. Because at the time, you were somebody who I looked up to immensely. So maybe you inspired that confidence. But shocking. Yeah.
I'm attached. Anyhow, so like after yeah. that, you also stayed, so if I'm getting the timeline wrong, correct me, but you yeah. also stayed in a teepee at a place um, in Crestone. Earthnack. Earthnack. In the winter. Yes. Correct? And that was also Cottonwood okay. led trips to Earthnack. That's right. where I found Earthnack. And yeah, when I was a senior in high school. Didn't you do that on your own in the winter? Uh, in yes. the mountains of Colorado, in a teepee, yes. cold. <laughs> Yeah. I got really good at shivering. <laughs> what was like some of your best memories of doing some of the different outdoor education and leading things like that? Oh, I have so many. Um, it was a trip down to Mission Wall. Um, this was the girl, do you remember her, who we put in rain pants and she freaked out because she thought they made her look fat? Do you know what I'm talking about? Skinny, tiny little girl, she's 11 years old. And she was freaking out, it was pouring rain, and all these kids are inner city students who don't have anything but like jeans and a cotton t-shirt, and she refused to wear the rain gear that we had provided because she felt like it made her look fat. She also told me like five times that weekend that I was fat, so. <laughs> Real confidence yeah, well. Um No, and I thought that, that was hilarious, and I was having such a hard time connecting with her. And then there was one night when we were looking at the stars, it was a really clear sky. And I remember at one point we pointed out the Milky Way as our galaxy, and a handful of these students who were starting their time in middle school had no idea what the Milky Way even was. They didn't realize what our what our galaxy was and that our solar system was within a thing called a galaxy. And that was mind-blowing to me. And they got really into it. And the next night it was just ever so slightly cloudy, like a super thin layer of clouds. So you can still see a couple stars, but not a lot. And this girl, the same girl, like came running out. She was like, can we look at the stars again tonight? And I was like, yeah, of course. And then she looks up and she realizes that it's like kind of cloudy but she doesn't know that it's clouds and she starts crying before I even know what's happening and she goes we fell out of the galaxy and I was like oh my god <laughs> and that was one of those moments where it was like her whole attitude about the trip shifted after that and I was like I think we feel it we fell out of the galaxy but I think that getting those moments like registering I guess when somebody ha has that like, click moment where they get it and they, they, they give a shit. Even if they are 11 years old and still the next day won't wear their stupid brain pants and meeting, would rather be wet. You know, like that was the moment where I was like, you care, you really care. And I will always remember that about, and just little moments like that about teaching. So then, how about some rough times kind of growing up? Like doing outdoor ed or anything doesn't have to be outdoor ed. The, the transition between, like after I left college was probably the hardest time. I moved in my car after I graduated college and traveled around for a long time and that was one of like the highest highs I've ever had. I was so happy. It was my first time not working in the outdoor industry. Um, and I was finally going and doing outdoor things on my own time with my own friends. <laughs> <laughs> Which turns out is important and I will always love and care about teaching and it's not the end of my career in outdoor ed by any means. But, um, you know, like getting that time to, to live out of my car and just 
do and be. I wasn't thinking about what I, where I needed to be or what I was going to be and when I grew up. And then as soon as I stopped, all of that caught up really, really fast. Um, and that's when I had first moved back to Boulder for a little bit. Um, ended up living back in my parents' basement, you know, like the whole nine yards. Uh, was miserable, was working a part-time job as a crewer down there, but not wanting to get another job because I didn't want to commit to living there and getting my own place, so I was just like super stuck. Did, did you feel like you were kind of stuck in a comfort zone, maybe? Like this is where it was oh, I, I was the opposite of a comfort zone. Okay. I just didn't know what else to do with myself. <laughs> no, I hated it. And, I wasn't going outside and doing anything, I wasn't, I just felt like I wasn't helping anybody or doing anything that I wanted to be doing and just kind of moved up here by accident and decided to feel better about it, you know, and, and reaching for things, you know, like trying to get a job here. I came into Storm Peak probably once a week for the first, like, three months I lived here, asking if they would <laughs> And I hadn't even met the head brewer or the owner. I was just asking whoever was in the building, you know, and they're like, no, no. And I was working as a cocktail waitress, which sucks. Um, <laughs> and Damn cocktails. Yeah, I think like keeping goals in mind is all that helps me out a lot. You know, like knowing that there's something that I want to be doing. There's a job that I'd rather have, a place that I'd rather be, a trip that I want to go on. And not losing sight of those goals and dreams is really, really important. Mm -hmm. So you went to college in Washington? Washington. What was your, what was your degree? Yeah. Or what did you end up or how did all that go? I went to school, I went to Whitman College, which is in it's one of those smaller broad schools in eastern Washington. And I went there thinking I was going to get a degree in mechanical engineering and ended up getting um, admitted to a, a semester program that travels around the, the western U.S. in suburban. It's like a group of 20 students and a professor who just travel around for uh, whatever it is, a whole semester, um, meeting ranchers, biologists, writers, everything you can think of across the West, um, and just kind of getting a picture of oh gosh, the, uh, the ecological and political state of the American West right now. Um, and that shifted me entirely towards getting a degree in environmental studies. Um, and at that school you have to choose a subset of environmental studies. So I ended up getting a degree in environmental writing and uh, geology, which was nothing close yeah. to <laughs> mechanical engineering. Um, and I will forever be sad that I'm not a car mechanic, but maybe one day there's yet time. Yeah, there's plenty of time. There's so many careers out there. There's plenty of time. So wait, now you're geology too. I want to see what kind of rocks you're gonna to add to the beer. Oh my goodness. <laughs> no, none. Um, but no, the geology was what got me into wine. Okay, how's that? Um, with the I had a geology career with the terroir. Terroir. Yeah, terroir. Uh, my favorite geology professor. Um, he does all of the wine zoning in that area. Wow. So he 
he gives them, like, he's the person who decides what their, because terroir is like a, a concept, but it's also a certification in the wine industry. Okay. Um, so you can say that you're from this specific place that has this specific terroir because it has XYZ minerals and whatever. Okay. The ground is composed right there. Um, and one of my geology professors was the one who made those areas and gave them the designations. And so, and so is that in the roundabout way kind of how you got into beer then? Because you started getting yeah. interested in the wine from that yeah. and you realized the beer culture was a little more interesting. Yeah, that and I mean like I've always cared a lot about beer. I was like one of those 15 year olds who sat around a fire drinking craft beer and sticking up my nose. No, it's okay. Everybody knows. I like that. And you only think it. Yeah, you know, all the other high schoolers were like, oh, Come play beer pong, and I was like, no. Uh, <laughs> that's what you get for growing up in Boulder, right? Um, yeah, I think a lot of people would agree with that one. <laughs> bunch of 16-year-old craft beer snobs. Uh, yeah, so that's really young. Uh, when did you start like brewing beer? Did you brew it at home, or did you just start when you were an assistant brewer? No. So yeah, uh, that school that I went to college offers grants for summer internships. Um, and you go through this application process of some job that you want to do or some internship that you want to have, and they'll fund it. <laughs> and I had heard of a guy in Boulder who was going to buy out a brewery and turn it into a brew distillery. There's like less than a dozen brew distilleries in the U.S. right now. Um, and he was going to start this whole project and I got in touch with him and I was like, hey, this sounds really cool. I'm kind of in wine right now, but I'm really just into all of these industries, you know, and can I be a part of this? And he said, yeah. And so I made, I wrote my proposal to school that I was going to learn all these business skills and how to start your own business and what process of buying out another business is. And then along the way also like learn brewing and distilling and they gave me the grant and I got home for the summer in Boulder and the sale fell through within the first day I got there um, the guys investors pulled out and I was like shit uh. <laughs> so I just went into the brewery and there were two guys brewing in there at the time and I was like hey I have some money from my school uh, to like pay me for the summer, but I need to give it back to them if I don't do anything. <laughs> so I was like, it's kind of late for me to get. It's kind of late for me to get a real job just for a couple months. He's like, can I just hang out in your brewery and will you teach me how to brew beer? And they kind of looked at each other and they were like, sure. <laughs> Yeah, that's how you um, use school. <laughs> exactly. So that's what happened. I had to find that school and be like, yeah, plans changed a little and they were fine with it. And so I just spent my summer exclusively learning how to be a brewer, basically. Uh, yeah, it was a pretty lucky opportunity. I would rather do that than all the other business side of things that I was going to do. Well, business side of things, do you think you ever own your own brewery? thought about it, but I'm also 25 years old, so I'm pretty content waiting for somebody else at the moment. <laughs> but maybe one 
one day. I mean, these guys, the owners here, probably started Storm Peak when they were 25. Maybe I'm so backing up a little bit, I know you went on like a year-long trip with your family? Yes. Around the world? Yes. It was incredible. Um, and yeah, my my family, um, I'm super lucky. My parents yeah. took us traveling often internationally a lot when I was younger. And that trip in particular was something that my dad had had planned on essentially his whole life. He and my mom got married when they were 20 years old. They moved out to Colorado, left their families, and they hung out and like traveled together and worked jobs really intensely until they were in their mid-30s and then had kids. Um, and I guess, I mean, this is what he always says. My dad says that as soon as he got married, he was like, I'm going to save up enough money to send my kids to college if they want to go. It'll take a year to travel around with my family. So he had that goal in mind when he was 20 and did that, you know. Um, he and my mom were living on food stamps together when they moved to Colorado. And then he spent a lot of time working really hard to do that. And when I graduated high school is when we went. My brother was two years into college and he took like a leave of absence for the, for the middle of his education. And we ended up traveling for just over seven months around the world. Um, and it was right after, I had actually lived at Mission Wolf for four months prior to leaving. And there was only like a week in between me coming back to Boulder and then taking a one-way trip to Chile was our first stop. And uh, we did, we just bought one-way tickets there and had no idea where we were going to go afterwards. Um, my dad and I were stoked. Uh, <laughs> that sounds super exciting. We love it. My mom and my brother, little less so. Um, we ended up traveling around for a couple weeks and making our way from Chile over to Argentina. My mom like laid down the law. We ended up living in an apartment in Buenos Aires for five weeks while we figured out. She was like, I'm not leaving this apartment until you tell us where we're going. <laughs> And it was awesome, and it was awful. <laughs> it was all of the things. My brother and I found out like two we two months into the trip that we absolutely despised each other as people. Oh no! Um, and the problem was we were each other's only friends. You know, like that was it. We spent every day together, just me and him and our parents, and we had no option. We were not getting along, and got to the point where he almost flew home and. I was like, well, screw that. I'll keep going forever. <laughs> <laughs> you can go home by. Um, you know, my dad sat me down one night. He's like, you know, that's your only brother, right? He's like, I don't care. Like, I know you don't get to choose your siblings. Like, if you want to not be friends, then like, that's fine. I can't get mad at you for that. But just know that that's the only, like, you don't have another sibling that you can yeah. be friends with, you know? He's like, that's it. And the next day, my brother and I sat down and we were like, let's get over this. And we did, and now we're going to go best friend. But there were months of that trip where it was just brutal. I was so lonely and having the best time ever. I wanted to share it with like anybody and just not getting along with the people that I was sharing it with. And then as soon as that perspective changed, I mean, there's a lot of culture shock and, and learning. Uh, 
obstacles and um, in terms of like understanding how to be a respectful person in other people's spaces um, and how to take care of yourself when you're living out of a backpack and you know moving every two nights and things like that so like there's so many different elements to it that every day was a little bit of an aha moment like since i i left primarily working in the outdoor industry in some capacity or another and teaching and going into brewing i have moments often where i'm like i used to do stuff where i saw the work i was doing having a positive impact on people's lives and like affecting good in the world and i was like now i like make a product that some people might misuse to mistreat themselves and stuff you know and yeah. it's like i have had moments where i'm like am i still creating good am i still like affecting that like energy and environment in the world and, and i think at the end of the day the answer is yes especially in a place like this where like we were talking a little bit earlier how focused on the community here, the owners of Storm Peak are, you know, and, and you can see it. Like, everybody's inside having a great time, spending time with their loved ones and their dogs who are yapping at like, <laughs> And that's awesome. So I'm happy to hear that that is something that translates. Yeah, I'm glad that you said that because I struggle with that sometimes too. Like I was teaching. Yeah, I was. You can see the direct impact on these students. Know that you're kind of making a difference. And I'm like, now I'm writing about beer and traveling. Like, how is that helping the world? <laughs> but you just said it perfectly. And when we talk to people, and yourself included, and any other brewers, like yeah. it's that community that comes in. So that's kind of it. Um, on that note, too, like sober living is that like? Yeah. And that's kind of what you're talking about. It's double edged meaning. So it's like a full-bodied life along the stout. So we, you can jump in on it. But I want to know what your definition is. If you had to define living a stout life, what is your definition of a stout life? I mean, the first thing to me that comes to mind is just like living like a really robust, full-bodied lifestyle. And I'm... Again, that's something that can mean a lot of different things. Um, but I guess what I mean by robust and full is like fulfilling all of the possible potential and like yeah. of what could be. Um, and being like bold and, and upfront about it, you know, and just unabashedly, just like living whatever that meaning or flavor <laughs> to you you know what I mean like whatever flavor lifestyle you want to have like really embodying that so I think I should cheers unless you guys have something else but to unknown yeah I love it. I'll yep. cheers to that was I right isn't she like kick ass like to travel the world for seven months with your family and come to the perspective that like you actually love your brother and then I mean I mean to stay in a teepee in the winter in the mountains of Colorado like that's crazy um, I remember going to Earthnack once before too and the lady there um, she'll make like mountain lion stew 
Robin Blankenship is her name. She's an amazing person, too, so I can see why Elena would want to hang out in a TP at Earthneck. Uh, Mission Wolf is one of my favorite places. I'm sure I've mentioned that before, too. Kent is the founder there, and he basically took his dream property and turned it into a wolf sanctuary to educate others as to why you shouldn't have, um, you know, wolves as pets. Uh, beautiful, beautiful place. If you ever guys, if you ever get a chance to visit this area, it's it's stunning. And then again, I can't say enough about Cottonwood Institute and their programs and how they get kids into the outdoors. And I mean, in a way, Elena kind of inspired me to keep going at all this. And hopefully she inspired you too. So um, I don't know. It's very early in the morning here. I do not have a beer. Um, I drank enough last night and the night before that. We're actually planning on going on a bike ride this morning, and then we're going to do a brunch. So I will be drinking some mimosas. Yes, sometimes I drink more than just beer. But anyhow, it was lovely hanging out with you guys. I can't wait till next time. Um, cheers. And, oh, yeah, definitely make sure you subscribe to us. Buy us a beer or a mimosa. Um, click the buy us a beer button. We'd love that. Tell people about us. Get people out there and get us, you know, get them excited about listening to us. Um, actually, that's a cool another story. So just this week, too, we had a couple that we've been talking to online only, and they were just a few hours away from us. So just for the weekend, they drove their big rig up here to meet us and hang out. Pretty cool. See, we're going to be rock stars. So, yeah. Subscribe. Buy us a beer. Cheers. Until next week. I'm going to have some coffee. See ya. We'd love to hear from you, so keep the conversation going. Send us a note, share a beer recommendation or two, or just say hey. This Stout Conversation has been brought to you by livingastoutlife.com, where you can find community and resources for all your craft beer travel and adventure lifestyle needs.